Welcome to the Pharmacotherapy Podcast. My name is Jim Tisdale. I'm a professor in the College of Pharmacy at Purdue University and an adjunct professor in the School of Medicine at Indiana University. And I also serve as one of the scientific editors for pharmacotherapy. Today we are talking with Ms. Kristen Smith and Dr. Joellen Rogers about their paper entitled Paradigm HF Heart Failure Trial, Secondary Analyses Address Unanswered Questions. Kristen Smith is a Doctor of Pharmacy candidate at the Eshelman School of Pharmacy at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and Dr. Rogers is Clinical Associate Professor and Associate Director of Clinical Fellowship Programs in the Eshelman School of Pharmacy at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, with an expertise in pharmacotherapy in patients with heart failure. Kristen and Joellen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Dr. Tisdale. Kristen and I were delighted um, to receive the invitation to speak with you today about our recent review article in pharmacotherapy. We, uh, we feel this is an especially important topic to address given the prevalence of heart failure in the United States is expected to increase almost or nearly 50% by the year 2030. And despite recent advances in various therapies to manage this disease, patients with heart failure continue to experience a 50% mortality rate within five years of receiving the diagnosis. And equally important, it's estimated that the economic burden of managing this disease will approach 70 billion by 2030. And that's, that represents a near doubling in cost compared to what has been spent in recent years. Right, well, thank you for that introduction. Um, Ms. Smith, your article addresses secondary analyses of the Paradigm Heart Failure Study. Can you briefly describe for us the primary purpose, design, and results of that study? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great place for us to start, Dr. Tisdale. The Paradigm HF trial was a prospective double-blind trial that randomized 8,442 patients with New York Heart Association Class 2 through 4 heart failure in an ejection fraction of 40% or less to receive either Secubitril Valsartan or Enalapril, in addition to other guideline-directed medical therapy for heart failure. The primary outcome that they looked at was a composite of death from cardiovascular causes or hospitalization for heart failure. The results of the trial showed that Secubitril Valsartan significantly reduced this composite endpoint by 20% over a median duration of 27 months. I would like to add to Kristen's summary. Uh, this trial was notable for several reasons. Um, first, the study, of course, as Kristen suggested, had a respectable sample size with over 8,000 study participants. In addition, it demonstrated improvement in hard cardiovascular endpoints. And the incremental benefit of the study drug, Secubidrol Valsartan, was demonstrated over the current standard of care, target dose enalapril. Dr. Rogers, in your article, you discuss 26 publications and one abstract describing post hoc analyses of paradigm heart failure. Is it unusual for there to be so many secondary analyses of one clinical trial? And did all of these secondary analyses address different questions? Um, at the time of the generation of this manuscript, there were surprisingly 27 related publications and 45 abstracts available, with 33 abstracts that were novel from the published manuscripts. Um, we addressed in our manuscript 26 of the publications. Uh, we elected to um, not discuss one paper 
or excluded one paper that focused on um, outcomes with influenza vaccine um, in the population, but not specific to um, managing heart failure. Uh, due to the scope of the paper, um, only one of the abstracts was included. Um, and, and one important aspect of this paper to emphasize is that the results summarized um, within our secondary analyses, um, and thus all conclusions should be interpreted with caution. Uh, regarding the number of post hoc analyses, um, Chris and I agreed that this was quite unusual, uh, you know, that number um, following a major uh, trial, and that we couldn't really recall another trial producing so many post hoc studies. Um, each of these analyses address separate questions. However, there are several overlapping themes, and thus when we um, uh, scripted the manuscript, when we designed the manuscript, we utilized those themes to structure the, the review. Specifically, these analyses address outcomes based on severity of illness, um, endpoints beyond those addressed in the original publication, the influence of concomitant therapies, tolerability in patients with comorbid conditions such as diabetes, um, and the impact, uh, the potential impact overall and long-term benefits, as well as the cost-effectiveness of this of the study drug. Uh, Ms. Smith, Dr. Rogers mentioned that your article discusses several studies that assess the impact of Secubitril valsartan versus that of enalapril in patients with heart failure with varying measures of illness severity. Does the comparative efficacy of Secubitril valsartan versus enalapril differ depending on the severity of heart failure? A series of these post-hoc analyses assess the benefit of secubitril valsartan across a spectrum of disease severity as measured by left ventricular ejection fraction, the MAGIC risk score, and clinical stability as defined by recent hospitalization. And these analyses confirm that patients with greater disease severity defined by a lower ejection fraction, higher MAGIC risk score, and recent hospitalization do have worse outcomes. Importantly, each analysis confirmed that disease severity did not influence impact of secubitril valsartan on outcomes, and secubitril valsartan was more effective than enalapril in reducing outcomes regardless of disease severity. And Dr. Tisdale, I'd like to add that the findings of these post hoc analyses suggest that this therapy um, really should not be reserved or denied in patients with either lesser or greater disease burden. For example, um, some clinicians may reserve new therapies for patients experiencing disease progression despite standard therapy. In contrast, yet other clinicians may voice concern regarding tolerability of these same new therapies in patients with greater disease severity. It's important to note that our review article also describes select ongoing studies, two of which are assessing the role of secubitril valsartan in patients with greater disease severity, specifically patients hospitalized with acute decompensated heart failure. These studies, the Pioneer HF trial and the transition trial, are prospectively designed and powered to definitively address the use of this new therapy in this heart failure subpopulation. Dr. Rogers, as was previously mentioned, the primary endpoint of paradigm heart failure was the composite endpoint of hospitalization due to heart failure or cardiovascular mortality. What additional efficacy endpoints were assessed in the secondary analysis studies, 
And were there differences in the comparative efficacy of Secubitril Valsartan versus Enalapril for any of the secondary endpoints? In the, in the primary publication of the Paradigm HF trial, each of the individual components of this composite endpoint were significantly reduced and they were reduced to a similar degree. In addition, all-cause mortality was significantly reduced and a quality of life measurement, the Kansas City Cardiomyopathy Questionnaire or KCCQ also improved. And just to add to that, several of the post-hoc analyses that we discuss in our review article addressed additional endpoints as well. For example, Dr. Akshay Desai of Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston assessed mode of death and found that both death due to worsening heart failure and sudden cardiac death were significantly reduced with Secubitril Valsartan compared to Enalapril and to a similar degree. Another analysis by Dr. Desai demonstrated that clinical progression of disease defined by intensification of outpatient therapy and also emergency department visits for worsening heart failure was also significantly reduced with Secubitril Valsartan compared to Enalapril. And lastly, 30-day readmission was also assessed in another post-hoc analysis and revealed that readmission for heart failure and also readmission for any cause was significantly reduced. This is important because we know that all-cause readmission drives penalties imposed by Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, also known as CMS. So the findings of these two analyses are relevant to the cost-effectiveness of Secubitril Valsartan. We know as the heart failure population continues to grow, our healthcare system is is met with the challenge of incorporating novel therapeutic modalities such as Secubitril Valsartan into clinical practice in a physically responsible manner. Dr. Rogers, you raise an important point. In in comparison with enalapril, therapy with Secubitril Valsartan is expensive. Did any of the secondary analyses that you reviewed uh, address cost-effectiveness of Secubitril Valsartan versus that of enalapril? And if so, what were the findings? Given the superior efficacy of Secubitril Valsartan witnessed in the Paradigm HF trial and the significant difference in cost between this therapy and the cornerstone therapy enalapril, the question of the medication's economic value in this population has come under much scrutiny. As you know, cost-effectiveness analysis is a widely employed statistical tool that aids in the assessment of a medication's clinical utility in relation to cost. In one of the secondary analyses we reviewed, a Markov model was used to conduct a a cost-effectiveness analysis of this therapy, Secubitril Valsartan and Enalapril. Secubitril Valsartan yielded a little over six and a half quality adjusted life years or qualities or nine and a half life years compared to enalapril. In contrast, enalapril only produced 5.8 qualities or 8.4 life years. In total, this resulted in an incremental cost effectiveness ratio or ICER of over $50,000, specifically $50,959 per quality, quality gained. An acceptable ICER in the, in the United States is considered to be $50,000, though that may be an underestimate of the, an approximate willingness to pay threshold. For comparison, the ICER for atorvastatin was approximately $45,000 per quality, quality gain, in contrast to that of a left ventricular assist device, 
which has been estimated to be $120,000 to $300,000. Based on discretionary willingness to pay, however, this model demonstrated that the utilization of Secubitril Valsartan could be cost effective. Another cost effectiveness analysis comparing Secubitril Valsartan to Enalapril produced similar results. Um, for example, the Institute for Clinical and Economic Review also evaluated the comparative effectiveness of this new therapy. And this group calculated an ICER just over $50,000 for the overall population, with a slightly lower ICER for patients with New York Heart Association Class II symptoms and slightly higher ICER for patients with New York Heart Association Class three or four symptoms. A majority of the panel members found Secubitril Valsartan was of intermediate care value to patients long-term. Now, keep in mind that these cost-effective analyses took into account endpoints from the Paradigm HF trial only. Understandably, they did not include endpoints for the post hoc analyses we discussed earlier, including those assessing impact on emergency department visits or need to escalate outpatient therapy. Given the use of Secubitril Valsartan has the potential to modify the clinical trajectory in patients with HEFREF, steps to ensure patient access to this therapy should be aggressively pursued. Pharmacists can and should play a substantial role in supporting these efforts, for example, resolving access issues or overseeing initiation and uptitration of therapy. Hopefully, future trial data will reveal specific heart failure populations where secubitril valsartan is more clinically prudent and economically viable. Ms. Smith, some of the secondary analyses, analysis studies assessed tolerability of secubitril valsartan versus enalapril. Um, based on these secondary analyses, how does the adverse effect profile of secubitril valsartan compare with that of enalapril? Yeah, so to further assess tolerability, the Paradigm HF investigators conducted secondary analyses on various safety measures, including risk of hyperkalemia associated with mineral corticoid receptor antagonists or MRAs, glycemic control in diabetic participants, and cognition and memory-related events. Regarding MRAs, investigators found that despite the fact that serum creatinine levels were not distinctly different between treatments throughout the trial, there was less hyperkalemia associated with concomitant MRAs when used with secubitril valsartan compared to enalapril. Nonetheless, the responsibility of potassium and serum creatinine monitoring still remains for this therapy, as is recommended by current guidelines. Another analysis in our paper demonstrated improved glycemic control in diabetic participants receiving secubitril valsartan and a lower risk of poor outcomes compared to enalapril regardless of glycemic control. However, future studies should confirm these findings as well as assess the impact of this therapy on patients with insulin resistance and earlier phases of glycemic impairment. Finally, in response to the concern for potential amyloid beta peptide accumulation in the brain resulting from neprilysin inhibition and the association of these peptides with the development of Alzheimer's disease, a post-talk analysis was conducted to further investigate the incidence of dementia-related adverse events. 
Following age adjustment, the rate of dementia-related adverse events were similar in both treatment arms to three other HEFREF trials in which it was compared. The, these trials were the Valsartan heart failure trial, also known as Valheft, the controlled Recibostatin multinational trial in heart failure, also known as Corona, and the Aliskarin trial to minimize outcomes in patients with heart failure, also known as Atmosphere. It is important to emphasize that this analysis is limited based on adverse event reporting and long-term follow-up may provide additional insight not reported in the 4.3-year follow-up of the Paradigm HF trial. I will also mention that long-term cognitive function is also a focus of an ongoing Phase 3 trial, um, and this trial is known as Perspective. There is one additional post-hoc analysis that's important for us to emphasize, and that's one evaluating tolerability during the run-in phase of this study. The Paradigm HF trial was designed with a two-step run-in phase to assess tolerability of ACE inhibitor at target dose, followed by Sucubitrol Valsartan at target dose. While this has been a point of contention for this trial, it's important to acknowledge the rationale for this study design. The run-in phase was necessary and really essential to assuring this new therapy was compared to the gold standard and ACE inhibitor at target dose. Despite the large sample size of over 10,000 participants um, enrolled in this trial, almost 20% of initially eligible patients discontinued the study prior to randomization due to non-completion of this run-in phase. Of these participants, approximately 10% discontinued during the initial enalapril run-in phase and roughly another 10% during the subsequent Secubitrol Valsartan phase. The primary reason for discontinuation was adverse events with hyperkalemia most common in the enalapril phase and hypotension and renal dysfunction occurring most commonly in the Secubitrol Valsartan phase. This additional post hoc analysis that we describe in our review used inverse probability weighting to evaluate if the trial results would have been different if more trial participants were similar to those who did not complete this run-in period. It was found that lack of tolerability did not alter Secubitrol Valsartan's benefit over enalapril with regard to the primary outcome. These findings demonstrate that including a run-in period to ensure tolerability did not impact the study drug's magnitude of benefit for the trial outcomes, and that patients with specific characteristics, such as low systolic blood pressure or renal dysfunction, may have difficulty tolerating target dose of either medication. The latter is a critical point to emphasize for pharmacists and really any healthcare provider involved in assisting with initiation and uptitration of Secubitrol Valsartan, specifically to be cautious in patients with these characteristics. Dr. Rogers, do you consider the results of these secondary analysis studies to be hypothesis generating, or do you believe that the results of these secondary analyses should be immediately incorporated into clinical practice? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that, Dr. Tisdale. As we previously discussed, um, conclusions from these secondary analyses should be interpreted with caution given they are hypothesis generating, and all findings should be confirmed in adequately powered prospective studies. Furthermore, while these post-hoc analyses have expanded understanding for how Secubitrol Valsartan benefits stable New York Heart Association Class 2 through 4 HEFREF patients, 
the potential benefit in other HFREF sub subpopulations and other heart failure populations remains unknown. Ongoing trials in HEF-PEF, or heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, um, acute decompensated heart failure, and those who are post-acute myocardial infarction may further expand this new therapy's FDA-approved indications. Current explorations into potential biomarkers, functional status, physiologic and cognitive improvements will enhance our understanding of the underlying mechanism driving the benefit in heart failure. It's going to be important to evaluate these future post hoc analyses and ongoing prospective trials to further expand our current understanding of the utility of this new heart failure therapy. Ms. Smith, in your thorough assessment of secondary analyses of Paradigm HF, were there any results that surprised you? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that, Dr. Tisdale, given we've had limited discussion regarding Paradigm HF study outcomes based upon concomitant therapies. I was pleasantly surprised that the outcome improvements in the trial were consistent regardless of the secubitril valsartan dose achieved or the presence of other guideline-directed medical therapies. Of the randomized participants in the trial, 80% were treated with a diuretic, 56% with MRAs, 30% with digoxin, and 93% with a beta blocker. And approximately half of those patients on the beta blocker were receiving um, about greater than 50% of the target beta blocker dose. Compared to enalapril, secubitrovalsartan was more beneficial for reducing the primary endpoint and also cardiovascular death alone in all background therapy subgroups with no treatment by subgroup interaction occurring. An unexpected finding was that a higher cumulative incidence of both the primary endpoint and cardiovascular death alone was observed in the enalapril patients who received the background therapy of interest compared to those who did not. Overall, the results of this anal analysis demonstrated that secubitril valsartan's benefit was consistent regardless of background therapy and beta blocker dose. Notably, another post hoc analysis demonstrated that the benefit of secubitril valsartan over enalapril for those requiring dose reduction during the trial was very similar to the magnitude of benefit seen with participants who reached target doses of both medications. Well, the full article is in the February issue of Pharmacotherapy, but thank you both very much for being with us today and sharing this additional insight. Yeah, it was our pleasure. We really appreciate you having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to another ACCP podcast episode. Our theme music is called Rocket Power and is licensed by Creative Commons. Please take a moment to recommend this podcast and subscribe via iTunes so that you'll get notified of when our next episode will be released.